Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. As you are making your way back to your seats and getting situated, this morning, uh, we're continuing in an ongoing Christmas series, uh, the Christmas edition uh, of These Are the People in Your Neighborhood. Uh, and in this series, we're just taking a closer look at the people in the Bible and seeing how the birth of Christ, first and foremost, how it impacted their lives people in the Bible, and then as it impacted their lives, how they were able to impact the lives of people in their circles of influence, but also how the birth of Christ impacts our lives, and then when it impacts our lives, how we can go out and impact the people in our circles of influence. And last week, um, just a quick summary, we were talking about the shepherds in the Christmas narrative and how the shepherds represented just the average working people uh, in our community, uh, the average person just going out and telling others about Jesus, uh, the retail workers, the cashiers, the truck drivers, the bus drivers, the Uber drivers, although they probably make a lot of money, so they might not count, but you get the idea. The average working person and them going out and just telling others about Jesus. So really quick, let me uh, just share, recapture scripture I went over really quick last week. Uh, and dig a little bit more into it this week. Uh, so an angel of the Lord appeared to them, them being the shepherds who were out in the field, uh, living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock. And I get, there's a big debate on whether or not the 25th of December is the actual birth of Jesus Christ. It's not recorded. We don't know. It's not about that date it's about what happened on that day. We're celebrating the birth of Christ. It could be the 5th of April, 12th of September. It doesn't matter. We're just celebrating the birth of Christ. I always tell people it's like if you're married and your anniversary is coming up, but maybe you're busy or uh, your spouse is busy or someone's in a hospital or something comes up and you can't celebrate it on that day, so you choose another day. Oh, we'll celebrate it next week or next month to celebrate it. Does that mean that you're not honoring your marital vows? No. You're celebrating not the date. You're celebrating what happened on that day. And so the shepherds were living out in the fields nearby and near outskirts of Bethlehem. And people always say, well, that's why we don't believe it's in December because, you know, it's snowing. It was 60-something degrees just a couple of days ago in December. And I always tell them, I have no idea what the weather was like in the Middle East 2,000 years ago. Um, I have no clue. I don't think anyone on earth now does. However, comma, it would be so like God to give a couple of days of just warm weather so the shepherds would say, hey, you know what? This is a perfect opportunity to take our herds out who haven't been out this season. But again, doesn't matter because we're not celebrating that date. We're celebrating what happened on that day. And on that day, an angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. 
I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And that phrase, good news, is a Greek word, evangelizo. I'm probably mispronouncing it, but it's where we get the whole concept of evangelism, of going out and telling other people the good news. Right? So when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who were lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, meaning the baby Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. An angel told them this is what's, you know, just taken place. They were like, let's go check this out. They went and saw it, and then they went and told other people, take note, what the angel had told them. They told people what they heard, that, hey, today in the city of David, our Savior, Christ, that word Messiah, is, the, is in the Greek, it's the word Christ, is born. Great joy for all the people, right? So the shepherds, they kind of represent the common, everyday, working people who hear the word of God, and then they go out and they tell people, right? If you're a bus driver, you tell people on your bus, well, hey, thank God, this is the Christmas Eve, and the birth of Jesus Christ makes possible the love of God open to all humanity. If you're an Uber driver, tell people in the back seat. If you're a cashier, waitress, and you don't have to force it on people, but if they give you an opportunity, you tell them about the birth of Christ, right? But today... I want to talk about the religious people. And some of you might get mad at me, but some religious people have problems telling people about Christ at Christmas because we get so caught up on traditions. We get so caught up on the decorations have to be a certain way. We get so caught up on it's not Christmas unless they sing this specific Christmas song. Right? And, and there are people who even, hey, in... in if they change the, the, the rhythm or the words to this Christmas hymn, then I can't celebrate Christmas. Don't. We're going to celebrate without you. We're going to keep singing and keep celebrating because we can get so caught up on all the religious stuff that we miss that it's actually about the birth of Christ. And that's what we're supposed to be celebrating, and that's what we're supposed to be rejoicing. So um, if you have a Bible, open it up to Luke chapter one, because that's where we're going to spend a lot of our time. And there's a big difference between the average working person who, who decides, I'm going to tell people about Jesus, like uh, Jane Powley, who was here last year, spent 37, I mean, last, last week, spent 37 years of her life as an average, she was a librarian, spent 37 years in her role as a librarian, finding ways to tell people about Jesus. But we don't have to do that. All we have to do is, we just say, it's the Christmas Eve. Even the atheists are like, it's Christmas. Why aren't you talking about Jesus? Aren't you supposed to be telling people about the birth of Christ right now? Even the atheists are like, why am I not hearing Christians talk about the birth of Christ? Because that's what we're supposed to do. That's the expectation, right? So um, if you're in Luke chapter 1, now I know some of you guys are reading through, some people are reading through, the book of Luke, one, one chapter a day so that, you know, by the time you hit Christmas Eve, you'll have read the entire thing and you'll understand what it's all about. But we're going to dig deep into Luke chapter 1 because uh, that's what we do. Uh, but I also want us to see that 
Sometimes the religious people, we get stuff wrong. And that's okay, because sometimes if we obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit, we can get it right. We can, we can totally nail doing what we're supposed to do in sharing about the birth of Christ. So uh, turn to Luke chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, uh, just raise your hand. I'll have someone bring one to you. Um, should be one on the table or underneath a chair or somewhere around you. So Luke chapter 1. And I'm going to start in verse 1, uh, but we're going to dig into a lot of these verses, but not all 80. Luke chapter 1 verse 1 says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Now, the first five verses of the book of Luke is Luke telling Theophilus, who he wrote this to, uh, that this isn't just a story. This is actually a more fact-checked account than any biography that you're going to see today. Luke didn't go to the library and pull out books about, here's what other people said about the birth of Christ. He went to eyewitnesses. He went to the apostles. He went to the people who were around. He likely talked to Mary, the mother of Jesus, firsthand. Uh, he talked to different people. Uh, he had to go to places. He couldn't Google anything. He couldn't pull up Google Maps and say, oh, that's where that island is. He had to go to places and document. Uh, and he starts, he starts, you would think he would start with the birth of Christ. He doesn't. He starts with the birth of John the Baptist because John the Baptist, the birth of John the Baptist is actually a fulfillment of scripture. Right? He starts with it because uh, going back to the book of Malachi, stay in Luke, in the book of Malachi, this is what it says. God's, God's speaking through Malachi to the nation of Israel. He's frustrated with them because of their disobedience to him. And he says, you've wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied him, you ask? By saying, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and he is pleased with them, or where is the God of justice? So they had, they had allowed a lot of things that God said were evil to just uh, come into their culture. And he said, God's okay with this. What a lot of people, a lot of churches do today, whole other sermon. But they also said, where is the God of justice who's supposed to be stopping this? And so God says, hey, this isn't just a you problem. This is a global problem. This is an eternal problem, eternal in the span of human eternity. And so this is what God says. He says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before, and take note, me. God says, I'm going to prepare the messenger who's going to prepare the way before me. So when Jesus says this is a fulfillment of prophecy, and God said he was going to come before God, then Jesus is in fact saying, I'm God, because he came before me. Then suddenly, the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant, whom you desire, will come, says the Lord Almighty. So God says to Israel, hey, I'm going to send a messenger who's going to prepare the way before me. Then the Lord will come. That's when that will happen. Now, drop down to uh, verse 5, back in Luke. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. You had to be a descendant of Aaron in order to be a priest, right? Uh, both of them were upright in the sight of God, so they were upright in God's sight, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. 
But they had no children, and here's why, and this is important, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. Now, when the Bible says barren, and, and no one can really bear this out because we can't go back in time and, mix, and do a biological test and see if this what happens, uh, it's that a theological understanding, barren means there's nothing there, that some type of problem had either damaged the eggs in the womb or damaged the womb or prevented whatever that whole birth process is. I'm not a woman, so I'm not going to try to pretend I know what happens so no one can come back at me later and say, you got that wrong. I probably did. But something physically, biologically, prevented her from having children, right? And then it says this, once when Zacharias' division was on duty, he was serving as the priest before God. He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. And then this is what happened. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, and we're going to hear this a lot, do not be afraid, Zachariah. And here's, here's the thing. Even if you doubted that this was an angel of God, here is what the angel said that might like, ooh, this must be God. He says, your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. So the angel knew what he had been praying about. So hopefully this would lean you towards, oh, this is a God thing. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John, Right? And again, best gender reveal ever. Hasn't been topped in centuries, right? You can blow all the blue and pink things you want, but the best, I mean, I would love to see a video of an angel just showing up and saying, it's a boy. Viral, instantly, right? And he says, he will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. And some versions say, not from birth, but from the womb, right? But verse 16 says this, many of the people of Israel, he will bring back to the Lord their God. He will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. And this is the verbiage that kind of mirrors what we read in Malachi, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. God says, uh, I'm going to send a messenger to prepare the way before me. The angel shows up and says, hey, your son, he's going to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Now, although that's true, if an angelic being shows up, and he answers, hey, he tells you, here's what you've been praying about, right? And he shows you that, that, that you know, this, and this uh, prophetic language I'm using is an indication that this is from God. Why would you doubt him? And here's why most people will doubt him. Because a lot, and again, hear me as <laughs> I say, a lot of church folks don't know the word of God. They don't. Here's this, this, you can do things for God. There's lots of people who serve God. There's lots of people who look at all the ministries I do for God, but they still don't know the word of God, and they don't know God. And I, okay, bear with me, because, um, sorry. I feel like 
I need to get on a soapbox for this, specifically because it doesn't matter what you do on Sunday mornings at your Sunday celebrations. You could have the best music with like orchestras that are a hundred piece orchestras praising God, but if you're not teaching the biblical word of God, it is not worth doing. You could have the worst music, like people that can't play, can't sing, and squeech and squelch, but if you get up and you preach the word of God, it is worth doing. You could have no music, none, nothing playing, and there was a time we did, and <laughs> this is funny, there was a time where we had no musicians, something was wrong with the videos, so we just sang a cappella. I thought it sounded horrible, and I was the one leading the singing. Thought it sounded horrible, but we preached the word of God, and Alicia, who was not here, who moved to wherever she moved to, is like, ooh, I want to join your worship team. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? It must be the spirit of God, because it doesn't matter what you sing, doesn't matter what other things you do, you could have all the lights and cameras. If you are not preaching the word of God, you end up with people that don't know the word of God, and you end up with people that don't know God. And I talk to people every day. I can get off this now, but I talk to people every day who they know not the word of God. They know what someone told them about the word of God. And the problem is the people that told them that are wrong because those people don't know the word of God. And I'm not, not going to get on the bad one, but all the people, and you guys may not hear this, but I hear it every Christmas season, all the Christians who get on the bandwagon, they get on their soapbox and say, Christians aren't supposed to celebrate the birth of Christ. And they use all these weird verses to try to justify it. And they do it because someone gave them those verses. And they didn't take the time. I've walked so many people. We're, we're in the second week, third week, whatever, of December. And I have walked so many people through that verse you just gave me that says we shouldn't celebrate Christmas, let's look at what it's really talking about. And they're like, oh, well, I didn't know that. And the reason they didn't know that is because they didn't read the word of God. Okay, I'm off of that, off of that soapbox, off of that soapbox. Uh, drop down to verse 19, and this is what it says. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this, underline that, good news. Again, the word evangelizo. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. And here's why. Because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Now, here's the thing. Not every single person on the planet is going to know all the scriptures. I've had people criticize me because when they give false verses, I'm like, hey, that's not actually what that says. Here is literally what this verse is applying to and what this verse means if you read it in context. That's why we spend so much time reading so much of the Bible. And they will criticize me and say, well, good for you. You're up on your high horse, you know, because you think you know scripture. No, I'm not up on a high horse. I actually just read the word of God and I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm just trying to tell you, here's what the word of God says. And if, and I'm not faulting Zechariah, I don't know if he really knew the word of God or not. It sounds like if he did, he didn't believe it because there were multiple times in scripture where there were women who were barren, who God showed up and said, you're gonna have a kid. I'm gonna make it possible. And I just wanna show you a couple of them 
that are crucial because the first one is in Genesis, and it's Abraham who was the father of the whole nation of Israel. In Genesis 17, it says, when Abram was 99 years old, and that's old, right? I mean, none of us have to, it's not like I'm a strong 99 and I can still drive, right? It's like a, I'm at home, take my license, I'm just vegging. 99, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers, right? Uh, Abraham fell face down, and this is after Abraham's like, wait a second, I don't even have a, a, a descendant for you to increase numbers. I'm gonna, uh, you've blessed me, but I'm gonna leave that to my servant because I don't have a child. God said, I'm gonna give you a child. Abraham, Abraham fell face down, laughed, and said to himself, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 99? And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael, might live under your blessing. And he's like, hey, you didn't, you didn't hold up, God. So years ago, we did it ourselves. Now I have a son named Ishmael. Why can't you use him? Because it's too late for me to have children, right? His wife is unable to have children. But then God said, yes, but your wife, Sarah, will bear your son, and you will call him Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. This whole covenant partition between God and Abraham is called the Abrahamic covenant. It's, so, it's like Pastor Priest 101. Should have known this. Like, oh, yeah, God has done this before. But if he didn't, God did it again because Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob had two wives, not something God is telling us to do so no one get happy, just something that God is recording. This happened in the Bible. When the Lord saw Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive. The reason he enabled her to conceive is because she could not conceive. But Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant, gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. And a and, and whole other story digging into that. But the point is, even she knew, if I'm pregnant, it had to be God because I have been unable to conceive. I, am, I'm, I cannot make it happen. But God can. And just, 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 just one more, really quick. Um, this one, and, and even, even the non-Christians kind of know this story, but not the detail of it, but you would think the pastor would. There was a certain man of Zorah, this is Judges 13, named Manoah, from the clan of the Danites, had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. And then he goes on, he says, you'll become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. This is the birth of Samson. Even atheists have heard of Samson and Deliah, right? But at least the priest should have known this story, so if it's kind of like if, if, if the angel of God shows up and says, I'm going to do this thing that God has done before, and God has done before, and, God, and there's a couple other times we just don't have time to get into, that God has done. If you know the word of God, your response is, how do I know that God can do this? Because when the angel showed up to the shepherds, 
right? And he said, today, in the city of David, uh, uh, a a child is born, Christ the Savior. The shepherd said, ooh, let's go check it out and tell people. He showed up to working everyday people, may or may not have known the Bible, but when the angel showed up, they're like, let's go check this out. When an angel shows up to the religious folks, the religious leaders who are supposed to know the word of God and says, this is what God is going to do, his response is, can God really do that, though? Is he really? Because how is this supposed to happen? Is God really able to do miracles like this? That's, I mean, that's the worst that you can do is to doubt God. Right? Drop down to verse 23. When his time, that's Zechariah's time of service, was completed, he returned home. After that, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. In the sixth month of her pregnancy, so it was in her first five months, she remained secluded. In the sixth month of her pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Now, really quick, people ask this as well, because if you look in uh, the Gospels, in one of them, I think it's in Matthew, you have, here's this lineage of Jesus Christ. Uh, If you look in another one, here's a different lineage, and one of them is through Joseph, because Joseph uh, was, even though he wasn't the biological father, as the father, his son would have been, if you're doing a kingly line, it's the son of the father who becomes king. However, comma, the other one is through the line of Mary, because in Jewish culture, your Jewish heritage is determined by the birth of the mother, the one who physically gave birth to you. Therefore, whether you do it, both of them had a heritage that went back to David. So whether you do it by physical birth or whether you do it by the heir of the father, under both lineages, Jesus was a descendant of David and an heir to the throne of Israel and thereby heir to the throne of God. All right. So he said, uh, the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her again, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Now Mary asked the question, how will this be, Mary asked, the angel, since I'm a virgin. Now Mary had the right to ask this question. One, because never before in human history had a woman been able to give birth without the help of a man and Coitus, we'll just leave it at that, all right? So it's one thing when God says, hey, husband and wife, you're having coitus, and I'm going to work a miracle so that the woman can give birth. It's another thing never before recorded in history where God said, hey, without the coitus, I'm going to have the woman give birth. 
And this was also the fulfillment of a prophecy because in the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, Isaiah prophesied, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. The you is plural. He's talking to the entire nation of Israel. Behold, the young woman who is unmarried and a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Now, I put it in the Amplified Version because there's a lot of people that will say, oh, well, if you do a word-for-word -word translation, the word that's used for young woman or that we translate into virgin is not actually the word virgin. And they're absolutely 100% right. It's not. It's a Hebrew word that means a young woman who has never had coitus. If you transfer that phrase, young woman who has never had coitus, into English, what's the most common word that you're going to use that meets that translation? A virgin. That's a young woman, or it could have been an older woman, but a woman who has never had coitus, which is why he uses that translation and why you'll see it across multiple translations into the word virgin. Now, really quick, uh, we're going to jump back in in a minute. I want to put, even though she doubted, and she asked, how is this possible? And the angel told her, here's how it's going to go. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. Her response, still way different than a religious leader, than Zechariah. Her response was, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. She's like, you know what? I'm here to serve. Thus saith the Lord, right? Uh, jump over to uh, verse 57. And this is what it says, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. And they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah, but his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. And even the name John, John means Jehovah is a gracious giver. Even the name when the angel showed up to Zechariah and told him, this is what you're to name him, it should have been a sign that this is a God thing, right? Jump down to verse 61. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet. To everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. And immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was loosed. And he began to speak praising God, drop down to verse 67, his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. So he, he's, I'm going to put these verses up on screen because this is important. Now, because he believed, his father Zechariah, John the Baptist, father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit, prophesied, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeem them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, and he's now ready to acknowledge. He's now ready to see that this entire thing is about God's redemption of humanity. And he goes on and he says, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, right, so now he's recalling, you know what? I think I've read that in the Bible somewhere. Salvation from our enemies, from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. Right? And then he goes on and he says, and you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on 
before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. He's now ready to acknowledge that, hey, you know what? This is just like God said it would be. This is the thing that God has been trying to do and that God said would happen all the time. And here's the thing, uh, because Christmas, all about God saving humanity from their sins through the birth of Jesus Christ, sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we get so caught up in the decorations and the gift buying. And, and, and right now, going to be honest, not trying to criticize anyone, probably a lot of us thinking, here's all the shopping I still have to do. Here's all the, the food I still have to cook. Here's all the, the meals I still have to prepare. Here's all the people I still have to visit. Here's all the Amazon gift cards I still need to buy or whatever. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Do all the things... But remember, Christmas is about God saving humanity from their sins through the birth of Jesus Christ. Buy all the gifts you need to buy. You know, don't go into credit card debt trying to do it. But remember, Christmas is about the birth of Christ. Have all the, the, the meals and the feasts that you want to have, food and fellowship throughout the Bible. But remember, Christmas is about the birth of Christ. Get all the gifts, go to all the parties, uh, do all the things that you like to do in your Christmas traditions. But remember, Christmas is about the birth of Christ and God saving humanity from their sins. Born is the King of Israel. Just bow your heads for a minute. God, we are so grateful that you loved us enough to send your son. And we pray that this season more than any, that as we go and buy the gifts, as we decorate, as we do all the Christmas traditions, as we meet and gather and fellowship, that we remember and take to heart and share with others that the birth of Christ is the reason for this season and that he was born to take away the sins of humanity so that we might experience his love, his goodness, his grace, and his mercy for all mankind. And we praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen.